the plan goes out the window and you're pivoting to something else, but you always need to take a step back and you need to have that vision for what you're trying to actually achieve. But you also need to be disciplined in it, you know, making sure that you're doing the right things, but but also at the same time, maintaining that flexibility if you need to pivot or, or do things differently. Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Each week, we bring you an interview featuring an entrepreneur or business leader in the Saskatchewan province. We dive into their journey, lessons learned, and views on the outlook of the Saskatchewan business market. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca. Welcome to today's episode of Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have a very exciting guest, Kevin Bergeron, who is currently the president and CEO of My Energy, one of Western Canada's leading solar and geothermal energy contractors. Kevin also co-owns and operates Polar Refrigeration, as well as Silver Rock Investments. Previously, Kevin held a position at Sask Power and the University of Saskatchewan. Kevin's leadership experience also includes past president, Saskatchewan Young professionals and entrepreneurs, SIPE for short, Provincial Board of Directors, and past president, SIPE Regina Chapter. Kevin was born and raised in Saskatoon, where he graduated from the College of Commerce with a triple major in finance, business economics, and marketing. He also has completed the executive MBA program through the Kenneth Levine Graduate School of Business in Regina. Kevin also holds his fourth class power engineering certificate and process operator certificate from SIAST in Saskatoon. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Happy to be here. So it's quite a diverse experience. We want to maybe get started off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what your current role is, and what you're involved in. I think one of the things that I normally say, maybe not necessarily a LinkedIn biography, but I always start with a husband and dad. I mean, my most important role is certainly that. So amazing wife. Kenzie and the father of three children, six, four, and uh, and two years old. So that keeps me really busy. And like I said, my important role. But I guess further on, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I have a couple different companies and I'm a partner in a few different companies. As you alluded to in kind of the opening comments there, my energy renewable energy company is is our largest and growing the fastest. We also have a renewable energy company as a partnership with MLTC. Meadow Lake Tribal Council, as well as Mistawasis First Nations. So we're partnered with 10 First Nations here in Saskatchewan to build, own, and develop renewable energy projects across North America. So that company's called My Energy North America. It's brand new. The ink's just drying on the agreement, so it hasn't been updated in my bio yet, as well as another partnership with Greenline Electric, a local electrical contractor here in Saskatoon that we've brought in via strategic partnership under our group of companies as well, too. Real estate, that's on there. Startup TNT, which is an angel investing group that I'm a part of that you are familiar with. Kenzie and I are also very active in that as ambassadors for the Saskatchewan region. So lots of stuff going on for sure. Kevin, that's quite an achievement. What's your backstory? How did you end up in this role? Where do I start? I think it probably is relevant from a business perspective going back all the way till I think I was 14 or 15 years old when I started delivering papers for the Star Phoenix here in Saskatoon. And so I know that's going back a, a long way, but that experience with delivering papers, and I know a lot of people have done that in the past was a really good entry into business, collecting on accounts and having to pay the Star Phoenix for the papers before I got paid from from the customers and having to go knock on doors when it was minus 40 outside to collect the $11 that they owed me. It was a real, uh, a real 
kind of a good entry into the world of business. So, I mean, that's originally when it, where it started. I was born and raised in, in Saskatoon, went to high school here, did my undergrad degree at the University of Saskatchewan, moved to Regina, did my MBA down there while I was working with SAS Power, moved back to Saskatoon and worked for the University of Saskatchewan for about a year when one of my current business partners, Brennan, approached me to take over and acquire Dwight's Next Energy was the name of the company at the time. It was a geothermal company located in Watrous, Saskatchewan. Brennan and I had been friends since university, and he was asking me if I was interested in taking another entrepreneurial leap into the renewable energy space. And I jumped in with two feet, and that's kind of where the current story starts with my energy. We rebranded shortly after that, moved to Saskatoon, got heavily involved in solar, and then polar came into the mix. Polar refrigeration came into the mix. In 2018, now Greenline Electric, and I've been kind of doing the real estate stuff all the way through and startup angel investing is is new to myself and my wife and trying to get heavily involved in in that community here locally in Saskatchewan. So yeah, it's kind of the evolution, but it all kind of started with delivering papers back in high school. (laughs) So what do you love about doing business in Saskatchewan? The people, certainly the people. It's got to be the people, right? I mean, everybody always talks about how great the people are from Saskatchewan. We do business in Alberta now. We're constructing projects in PEI, working with some potential projects down in the U.S. And everybody, when they when they hear you're from Saskatchewan, they talk about how great the people are. So it definitely, that's what it is, is the people we have on our teams being close to family and friends, it's really important. You know, I can definitely relate to that. You know, I've had the fortune of actually visiting over 60 countries. And it's interesting, you know, when you go to different places, you meet all kinds of people. But when I come back home here in Saskatoon, it feels so much home. You feel this relaxed feel and, and the way that the business community is over here, the support that you get and how tight it is. It's really a different feeling. And that's what I love personally about Saskatoon or Saskatchewan in general as well. I could echo that for sure. So with regards to these investments that you've made, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about how do you actually make a decision? Because you've obviously grown... You started with My Energy, and then you've grown from there. You've acquired other companies. What is it that you see of value when you're actually acquiring a company? What does that process look like? Well, it starts with the long term, right? It starts with the long term vision of kind of what we're trying to do as a group of companies. Really, right now, with the trend being what we call it electrification of society, right? I mean, you got electric vehicles, you got generation via solar assets, you got this big push to become net zero. And all the kind of things that make up that whole process. So really what we're trying to do is position ourselves to offer long-term value to customers, right? So, you know, the group of companies that we have right now all do different, very different things, but they're all tied really into that stream of kind of that electrification of society, that goal of becoming net zero and being able to offer the most value to the customer at the end of the day. So, you know, we use the term, we want to be on the leading edge, but not the bleeding edge, right? We don't want to get involved in something too early. Because that's happened. It's happened in our industry. I mean, if you look at the solar industry specifically, there's been a lot of companies that have come and gone over the last 15 years. I mean, they were great companies and did wonderful things, but the economics weren't really there. The value for the customer wasn't really there. So we're really trying to stay on top of that and make good investments into companies that can help us provide that value to our customers. So as you decide to acquire a company, obviously it has to align with your vision. And it has to be at a certain stage where you're obviously you can add a lot of value. They can add a lot of value to the vision that you have. What does that vision look like in the next decade? That goes back to that electrification of society. To me, you know, it comes to generation, usage, storage, all that stuff happening on site, on premise for whether it's an individual household, whether it's a company, a corporation, an oil company, 
or whatnot, right? So, I mean, the, the world is changing very fast in terms of technology. Right now, the biggest trend and the biggest change, I think, in terms of the economic value that it offers is battery storage from a storage perspective, right? So the renewable energy industry is certainly being helped by the drive and the adoption of electric vehicles, right? And all the R&D that's been put into the battery technology on the electric vehicle side is, is coming into the renewable energy space from a storage perspective. So we're seeing a lot of that. And then that's just kind of bolting onto that energy ecosystem that offers additional value to those customers. So what are the kinds of customers that you serve? Well, what company do you want to pick, I guess, is what it really comes down to. I mean, residential all the way to large commercial, industrial, you know, so on the, the trade side. So the polar refrigeration, we got a green line electric, and then we got our, we call it our RIC division of my energy, residential, industrial, commercial. So the clients on that side are anybody from residential stopping at kind of light, light industrial. So all the way through that commercial space on the my energy side, we also have a different division called my energy utility, which our customers are energy developers. So they're large developers that are building and owning energy assets in the solar space across North America. So you obviously had a lot of success over the years. Can you highlight a little bit about some of the failures that you've experienced and how you've overcome those failures? <laughs> how much time do you have? I mean, you, you can't have success without failure. So, I mean, maybe you can pick, uh, you know, the top three failures that you've experienced. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. There's so many of them. You know, one of our philosophies, and I have some amazing partners that I'm in this with. So, I mean, I can't sit here and take credit for kind of what we've done and where we're going because, I mean, it's I'm just a, a part of that team that's doing it. And one of our philosophies is you fail, but you fail fast, right? So we're not afraid to make mistakes. And I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs probably share that is the reason why they are entrepreneurs because they can fail. They can get up and continue going and maybe take that beating, so to speak, day after day, week after week, month after month. But We've made a lot of mistakes. We've made a lot of investments that we probably shouldn't have in hindsight. You know, you make the best decisions with the best information at the time and things change. So one of the only constants in the world that I live in is, is change, right? So every day technology is changing. Every day the customer landscape is changing. Our competitive landscape is changing. So we've certainly made our number of mistakes, but that's what we do. And we're, we're okay with making mistakes. We like to foster that amongst our teams and our companies that mistakes are okay, right? If you make a mistake, let's learn from it. Let's collectively get together as a team and, and learn the lessons and build the processes or whatever we have to do to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Dust ourselves off and move on instead of kicking each other when you're down, lend somebody a hand and, and help them up, right? So it really is about that culture that we're trying to build to make sure that the mistakes are okay. I make them every day. So as a leader of the organization, I think it's maybe a little bit awkward for some people to hear me vent about some of the mistakes that I'm making. But I think it also is, is important to make sure that everybody understands that that's okay. So obviously, a lot of businesses have suffered during the period of COVID. Some actually have thrived because they've chosen to pivot or they've chosen to adapt to different business models. However, what has COVID done to your business? How have you dealt with those challenges? Yeah. It depends on the business that we're talking about. As a group, we're certainly good. You know, I like to say, you know, we can't complain because things are good. Our businesses are doing well. Some of them maybe not growing as fast as we would like to see them growing. The renewable energy side, I mean, obviously that industry continues to catapult year after year, regardless of COVID. So, I mean, we've been very lucky to be involved in an industry that is kind of leading the global charge in terms of the fastest growing industry in the world right now. So very, very fortunate for that. But I mean, in terms of how it's affected us, I mean, it, we try to take the positives out of it. I mean, as corny as that may sound, we've been able to get great people, this whole working remotely type. Obviously, it's enabled us to find or open our our eyes to other opportunities for great 
team players that aren't necessarily located where we're doing business, right? I mean, we weren't necessarily as open to that thought kind of prior to COVID. So we've added a number of great people to our team that we probably wouldn't have added or looked for if it wasn't for the remote working through COVID, right? I mean, when you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, it really forces you to look inside and look at your processes and become more efficient, cut off the fat and put yourself in a position for when things do come back and when the economy does start to rebound, that we're in a better place than we were previously. So without sounding, like I said, overly optimistic or overly corny, we've done a lot of work in the last couple of years that we think really positions ourselves well for when the world comes out of this. So what do you see are some of the maybe biggest opportunities in the near future for, for your ventures? I think it goes back to that electrification of society again. I know that sounds uh, sounds a little bit of a, like a broken record, but I mean the world is changing, and we're we think we're pretty well positioned on the on the the leading edge of being able to provide value to customers as they continue to transition from the old way of doing things. We'll say to kind of some new options and being able to offer people options, being able to partner with them as they walk through that journey of what it means for them, you know, economically, behaviorally, all those types of some different aspects of their decision-making process. So I think as the world continues to change, we're, we're right there with it, hopefully walking our customers through that journey. You mentioned earlier that in hindsight, you've made some bad investments. You've made, so not to be very specific, but can you maybe shed some light as far as how businesses can avoid bad investments and, and what they should be concerned about when they're looking to maybe invest in another company? Yeah, when I say bad investments, it's not our company investments. You know, it's investments within our companies, I guess I should say. I mean, we were very particular and, and go through a lot of due diligence when we're looking at partnering or, or acquiring a, another company to kind of bring under our umbrella. I mean, when we talk about investments, capital assets, right? Different types of parts of the construction process that we thought we wanted to self-perform. And we spent a lot of money on equipment and people and to do that. And it ended up not necessarily being the most economical way. So... That's a, just an example of an investment in, in capital and people that wasn't necessarily the right decision. In hindsight, would we have done anything differently? I don't think so in, in a lot of those instances, right? Like I said earlier, we make the best decision we can with the information that we have at the time. And if economic conditions or things change in the meantime, one of the things that we say often is, is trying to fail fast. It's not pondering on why we made the decision because we made it with the information that we had. Now there's new information. And if we would have known that in hindsight, we probably wouldn't have done it. But not to ponder on that, but to move forward in a specific instance, you know, cut the cord, sell the assets, redeploy the people and, and move on to something uh, a little bit maybe more economical or profitable. You were talking about change earlier. You know, it's a rapidly changing state. How do you stay ahead of that change? With our people, quite honestly, right? I mean, I don't think any entrepreneur or group of partners of entrepreneurs can sit there and say they have all the answers and they can make those every decision based on the information that they have at their fingertips from the research that they've done. We got a, a great group of people that are experts in their field, that are passionate about what they do, that stay on top of current trends that relate to their position, whether it's engineering or project management or construction or electricians, right? We have great people that kind of stay on top of that and, and we listen. You know, we hopefully create an environment and it's worked for us so far where people feel like they can share new ideas and bring things to the table that they think might benefit the organization. So it's kind of just creating that culture of really, really good people and fostering that community and, and that culture for them to be able to kind of bring good ideas. So we reap the rewards of our good people. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So. so on more of a personal note, if you were to go back 10 years, what advice would you give to your younger self? 
The one thing, and I think the, the biggest struggle, and I think any entrepreneur or business owner would probably echo this statement really high on their list, the time management part of it, right? Not, the not burning out, the doing too much, the doing the do, all those phrases about entrepreneurs just kind of running themselves ragged because they're trying to do everything for everybody and, and survive ultimately at the end of the day. So if I could get, you could give yourself advice on, you know, the things that you would do differently. But honestly, one of the biggest things for me is reading the book, Seven Habits for Highly Successful People an amazing book that I would recommend to anybody about prioritizing your time and making sure that every day you're doing the right things, right? So I like the term measuring productivity, not effort, because I think a lot of times in the business owner world, everybody works hard, right? I mean, everybody kind of gets home at the end of the day and they're like, oh man, I'm tired. I work so hard. I work so hard. I work so hard. But what were you working hard on? Was it the right thing? Was it those rocks? Or was it the sand and the water? And in the example in uh, highly effective people, seven habits. So I would read that book earlier. It made a world of a difference in my life and kind of how I prioritize, especially now with a family and young kids and making sure that every day, every week, every month, I'm prioritizing my time to maximize the productivity that I need to do with whatever those priorities look like. So that would be the one, the one thing among many, but yeah. So based on the challenges uh, that you overcome in the past uh, years of business, what advice do you have for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast? Read the book. Yes. Yeah, read the book first. And make a plan, be very disciplined to your plan, but also stay flexible, right? That's a, you know, kind of tied to what I was just talking about is, is you have to have a plan if you're just floating through this. And I mean, it may seem like every day the plan goes out the window and you're pivoting to something else, but you always need to take a step back and you need to have that vision for what you're trying to actually achieve. But you also need to be disciplined in it, you know, making sure that you're doing the right things, but, but also at the same time, maintaining that flexibility if you need to pivot or, or do things differently. So definitely kind of making that plan. I would say that the point about measuring productivity versus effort and, you know, kind of keeping that in top of mind is, are you working on the right things? But, you know, I'd also say too, like, don't listen to a lot of the negativity. I mean, you know, being in the industry that we're in for a decade now, and I'll use the renewable energy industry. I mean, there's been all types of feedback and comments from people and you're crazy. And I mean, this, this doesn't work, you know, like all the kind of the negativity around like, you don't want to sit there and question what you're doing because of other people's maybe comments on whatever that is. So, I mean, have that plan, be passionate about what you're doing, really believe in what you're doing and don't worry about what other people say, right? I mean, there's lots of quotes out there. I read one from Elon Musk the other day that every idea is a bad idea until it's not, right? I mean, it's kind of that notion of no matter what people are saying, whatever the rumblings or the comments or even feedback that you get in, in meetings or from clients or, you know, you got to take that stuff and you got to obviously use what you can, but don't let it drag you down. Be passionate, be purposeful, have that plan and stick with it and don't let the rest of the stuff drag you down. Kevin, it's been such a pleasure to speak about your business and thank you so much for sharing the insights here today. Where can people find out more about yourself and your ventures? Well, online. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn. I got to update my profile. I, it sounds like a little bit with some of the new stuff that's happening. Um, yeah, d definitely online with websites for obviously all the, the companies and the, the group of companies that we have. But LinkedIn's probably the best if anybody wants to reach out and anything that I said they want to learn more about or I can help in any way, shape or form. I mean, it's a small world, right? And we're all in this together. So probably LinkedIn would be the best place. Excellent. We'll definitely include links to the website as well as your LinkedIn profile. Thank you again for coming to the show today. Thanks for, you for having me. It's fun. Thank you for listening and we hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. 
You can see more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at saskentrepreneurs.com. That's S-A-S-K entrepreneurs.com. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca.